And hello, welcome to the Music Profit again. It's becoming a weekly occurrence, and it's exciting. We're almost at we're almost at this is episode eleven officially, which is exciting. And uh, so this week we are changing things up a bit, and we're going to have a we're going to jump into country music, which is the first time for the show. Actually, we've. We've covered every, every other genre and everything in between except for country. So let's welcome the, so our guest today is, and thank you for coming on. And the exciting part is that she's also done music interviews and she's been a music journalist, photographer for decades at this point. It has been, it has been. And you're talking about country and I want to do a big yeehaw. It's kind of, it would be fitting though, wouldn't it? So it makes sense. Yes, yes. Um, primarily, I am a Canadian country girl, but I do appreciate all genres of music. So I have interviewed more than just country people. And uh, yeah, it goes far beyond that. Right, because you spent time on, with Canadian beats for quite a bit, right? Yes, yes. I'm on a bit of a hiatus from them at the moment because of some other projects. But uh, I started with them in December 2015 and uh, took my break in December, after December this year. Right. Uh, so I, it's up to you if you want to jump into that now, but I think it'd be really interesting to just talk about what it's like to do that, because it's volunteer. It is. With that, and I think people don't realize that when they read Canadian Beats articles or when they read uh, just reviews online, none of that is actually paid. No. Um... When Jenna Melanson started Canadian Beach, she lives in a very remote community in southern Nova Scotia. And like to give you an idea, uh, she's about a two-hour drive from Halifax. So she's quite a distance away. She just happens to be uh, a huge music fan. Um, Headley was one of her favorite. Headley and the Arkells, two of her biggest favorite biggest bands that she loves. And... Uh, she started just to write reviews and post photos and stuff like that. And within a few months, she had a couple of people approach her. Hey, can we help you out with this? Right. And it, it's it's the little blog that grew, as I like to call it. Now it's, uh, well, back in December, we were over 40 contributors uh, across the country. The bulk of them obviously being in Toronto. Uh, but yeah, it, it just, we cover all genres. There's photographers, interviewers, uh, reviewers, and, and she's always looking for good help. So if there's any journalism students out there listening or photographers, send her a message, CanadianBeats13 at gmail.com. And for me, it's interesting that she doesn't have a branded email either. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She doesn't. But, uh, you know, that's okay. The website, the website's great. Mm. Um, there's a lot of content on there. Yeah, it is impressive, right? Especially the fact that she built it up with people volunteering and building a name for themselves. That's the impressive part for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, she's been doing this for about five and a half years now. It started in 2013. So, right. okay, six years, six years. Which is a long time because after six years, you would, you would build up a rapport with quite a lot of artists at that point too. It's the artists, but it's also the people behind the scenes, the, uh, 
the radio trackers, the PR reps, uh, management teams, stuff like that. And it's really good. It's really good. Uh, because for me, loving music, I like to know what's going on behind the scenes. I like to know who the people are. Actually, uh, with my own show, radio show, uh, I was talking to my friend that I semi-co-host with. Uh, I bring her in once a week to talk about an artist or we do an interview with one. And she sent me an, e an email about an artist. I went, oh, I played one of his songs a few weeks ago. And she thought it was one PR firm. And I said, oh, no, no, no. He's under this new management team. So it's it's all keeping current with what's going on out there too because there's a lot of some artists will leave a management team go to another one uh pr reps change from time to time representing a management team mm -hmm. so it's it's really trying to keep on top of that and so besides the when you're looking at the websites and the people behind how do you keep track is there is that something that is posted publicly often do you For find when they change management teams and PR, is that something that is a publicly in discoverable a, thing? In a lot of cases, there is a press release, but not always. So we, we, we just take it from there. Right, because they they norm, they norm wouldn't really want to publicize that didn't work with someone either. Well, sometimes it's more than just a, it doesn't work. Someone might have given them a better price. You, you never know the logistics of, of why someone leaves. So. Right. I think that connects well to the other side of things when you did A&R briefly, right? With Sony, when you sort of jumped into the admin management side of things there. It, it wasn't A&R. I was, uh, um, Promotions, or promotions coordinator for a project that I was working on. Um, that was really exciting. It was to do with the Toronto Blue Jays. It was called the Blue Jays album. And uh, so I was hired. I was working within the Sony Music building. It was actually at the time when CBS was doing the changeover to Sony Music. And uh, so I was hired on to assist with this project so that my boss at the time could also do his job at Sony that he was paid for. So um, it was it was a really interesting experience to start out just doing cold calls to stores to say, hey, do you have this product in there? Uh, if not, can we get you some? Talk to the distributors saying, hey, this is what's going on. Um, to four years later, I, I had every year my responsibilities grew to the point where I was talking to the major radio stations in Toronto. I had contacts there. Um, I had contacts at the Toronto Blue Jays office. The uh, charity that we brought in for proceeds of the, the sales of the mm -hmm. album uh, went to the Friday Club of Ontario. So I had connections there and it was just building that relationship with everybody, which in this industry is so important, really, really is. Uh, but it was, it was great. Like I, I talked to people even to this day, there are people I still connect with from back then and we're going back like a couple of decades now. <laughs> but if they don't, I've, do you find that those relationships have maintained where when you see them in public, you can continue it in 
Yes, yes. Actually, I got reconnected with um, a PR rep at Sony that I kind of knew at the time. And when I contacted him and said, hey, I'm at Canadian Beats, he went, oh, wow, that's great. So he just made that extra effort to to send people my way, which was really nice. Which is really handy because from a journalism standpoint, when people send you guests to interview, it saves you a lot of time. Oh, it does. It does. Um, and, and it's so important in this industry to keep relationships good. You don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to tick people off. So keeping those relationships good, uh, not always being a yes person, obviously stand up for yourself. But it's, it's, it is networking and creating a working relationship with these people. Because they are, they're the lifeblood of it, that those connections are what actually help you get in touch with bigger artists and bigger opportunities, right? Right, right. I mean, they might go, well, we don't know. They're a small little blog out there. So let's not send them anyone too big just in case they embarrass themselves. Uh, so, you know, they'll start you with somebody and it's like, oh, hey, that's, she did a really good job on that. So, you know, I, I ended up getting bigger names because of that, which was really good. And, and not just for me, but for other people on the team as well. Yeah. You build up, it's, who are some of those names? Like, what are some of your favorite names so far? Well, I have to say in Canadian country, uh, two come to mind. Paul Brandt is the reason I love Canadian country. And I have met Paul many, many times, but not interviewed him. And a few years ago, when that opportunity came along, I was just like, oh, wow. And it was actually, I don't get super nervous interviewing people, but with him, I'm there going, I actually said to him, Paul, I don't know why I'm nervous with this. I know you, you know me, but for some reason, I am really nervous. (laughs) But he just said, just relax, you'll do fine. And it it was, it was fine. Um, Last summer at Manitoulin Country Fest, I got to interview Carol Baker. Interesting. She is a legend in Canadian country. And it was like, I, I actually wanted to practically bowed down to her for <laughs> for the history that she has. And you know what? She was so down to earth. Uh, we hit it off. I have her phone number. I have her all her contact information. And she says, hey, you know, anytime you want to give me a call or anything like that, you're down our way. Come. Come to our place. You know, that that to me is, is just so sweet. And, and it's really awesome. Uh, when I think of non-country people that I have interviewed, um, I would have to say Colin James and Serena Ryder. They're pretty big names in, in Canada. Um, they're both phone interviews, and uh, they're just delightful to talk to. I know with Serena, I was talking to her about this big show she did in in the Maritimes, trying to think which province. It's where the, the waves go out and there's this big area and they actually set up a concert and 
as the waves went out, they were setting up. And then when they, the tide started to come in, they had to start clearing things. Right. There's a whole video out there. That would be that would be a really cool setup, too. Yeah. There's a whole video. I believe it was the CBC that did the video for that. And it was fascinating to watch. So I'm looking at this. I'm going, I have to talk to her about this because this is just too cool not to talk about. So, yeah, it was great talking to her. Uh, Colin James, I've seen him many times. He, he goes back to my misspent youth. Um, because you guys would be around... Well, he'd be what, like maybe 15 years old than you are, 10 years old than you are, or is he older than that? He's, he's close to my age. Okay. Give or take, give or take. Actually, it'd be great to talk about the way that country has changed. It has. It's not all twangy and talking about losing your dog, losing your woman, losing, yeah. Um, I, I wrote a paper when I was in, in college and I did a variation because country was always on uh, roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, there's always that each each sort of feel to it. Now country is just all over the map. You've got rock influences. You've got rap influences. You've got pop and hip hop. They all seem to be merging in this really interesting melting pot um we, when carol was playing there we were talking about old dirt road and the song the sound that that song has remind the audience who sings that because some might not know okay it's billy ray cyrus and help me out here because i know yes yes um that they played that on the um cma festival uh special concert during Canadian, uh, not Canadian Music Week, during Country Music Week in Nashville, they have a week's worth of concerts at the big stadium. Well, just like in Toronto, they have Indie Music Week and Canadian Music Week. and They put the show together with excerpts of it all. And uh, so one of the songs that was played was Dirt Road, and Keith Urban did a wicked wicked guitar riff on that one. It was amazing. I have to give a shout out to that show too, because... Although it's highly American, our girl, Canadian girl, Lindsay L, uh, performed with Gilbert and did an absolutely fantastic job. You talk about your weird crossovers in music. Lindsay L was discovered by Randy Bachman. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm not familiar with Lindsay. So what is her style like? Hers is... Are you familiar with Keith Urban? Yeah. I call her a female Keith Urban. She's just, she just shreds that guitar like no other country female artist I have ever seen. Just, just phenomenal. Which would make sense why Randy Bachman loved it. Because Mm -hmm. Keith Urban, I mean, his last two or three albums have really tapped into that shredding guitar, being completely into the rock inspiration. And the lyrics are country-inspired, but mostly it's just... It's almost like an excuse to fit into the country genre when a lot of his music isn't anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another artist to go, like, he, he came out as country, but nowadays you kind of go, it's really not country, is Johnny Reed. Like, he came out with um, 60 to Zero and... 
one uh, like lips of lips of an angel yes came out and that was the iconic country track but now he's more memphis sound country with that soulful bluesy and and hint of of jazz type flavor to it i mean when he comes out on tour he's got quite the entourage on stage he's got horns and he's got um just just an incredible incredible band behind him and it just Johnny Reed fans are, are are something to themselves. The Tartan Army, they're they're a very dedicated group of people toward him. And uh yeah, he's just he's just very special in the industry. And that's that is a good point overall because it's changing very the way that music is inspired and the places that people draw inspiration from, it's becoming it's not just one place anymore. It's a bunch of artists from different genres that create once their own sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's crazy because you think of Dallas Smith. Well, you talk to a rock person about Dallas Smith, they're going to go, oh yeah, the lead singer of Default. But, and to see him growing as an artist over the past five years has been incredible. He now has his own record label, uh, Steelhead, Steelhead Records. Mm -hmm. He's brought in our very own Andrew Hyatt from here in Sudbury as one of his artists that he represents. Uh, another one is Sean Austin from out in BC. Um, I'm not sure if he's got anyone else, but they're, they're the two that I know of. And he's, according to Andrew, he is just so far apart from any other management team he's ever had. Hmm. So, because he lives it. He's an artist. He knows what he wants and he gives that back to the artists that he's representing. Yeah, and that's the biggest difference. I mean, when you look at other musicians, like within the rap industry, there's Chance the Rap, uh, Chance the Chance Rapper, actually, who has been independent and still is. And he managed to become mainstream at the level that all other musicians are. And he was doing it himself. Mm -hmm. And then there's, then there's musicians like Ray Spoon that is more alternative but she's run her own label for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. And she's now become this leader within the indie, queer, LGBT scene. I It must be that they're living, that they're making music themselves. Mm -hmm. So it just makes sense that they know what they need. They know who to talk to. There are so many independent artists in country music. You've got your, your key big Big record labels like Sony, Warner, Universal. Um, sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. And I subscribe to all of them. I have friends, reps at all of them that I can call on. Then you've got the ones that... Uh, how do I... They're, I don't want to say they're lesser because they're not lesser. Um, there's... They're just... There's... Um, Invictus Entertainment out in BC, uh, they do phenomenal work. Uh, they have, uh, Jim Cressman is, is part of the team that brings Kip Moore through on tour across Canada. He's worked with so many huge artists and not just country. Um, so like he's a powerhouse, like, no, he's not Sony music, but he's still a powerhouse in his own right. But that's also, I think that there's something that especially for the audience people listening there's those corporations 
that that are become label that uh, labels. But then there's people like Invictus that are that fit that term of music's promotion labels, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a different level, a different label. I feel like. I mean, they're booking agents, they're they're managers, they're promoters. They they do it all under their umbrella, and it's really something uh, something to see. Um, Open Road, RGK, Open Road Recordings, another company that does the same thing. Um, MDM Recordings, you know, again, they they try and be the big package offering either a la carte options to their artists or taking them under the whole big umbrella. Right. And... Within that, in your experience, have you found that they stick to one genre or does it blend artists on their lineup? Primarily, they're, they're all country. Um, but as I say, when it comes to, to bookings, um, like Invictus is, is not afraid to pick up somebody that's totally not country. Okay. Which is good because then that supports everyone else, right? Right. Right. That's really, and, but what is your, so when it comes to being a journalist, because that's been your experience navigating it, when you reach out, do you, is there a fear or concern that reaching out will, that you're too small for places like Invictus, that you're too small for places like Sony? Is that a thought? No, no. I... In, in country music, Canadian country music, I feel everybody's approachable. And the worst somebody can say is no. Um, and and you, don't, you don't know if you're going to get it till you try. And in some cases, you know, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, um, my Sony rep, I wanted to do a, an interview with um, Mariana's Trench. Didn't work out, unfortunately, but... You know, we worked through it. We got to a certain point and, and unfortunately the guys got busy. I think there was a delay of getting in town or something like that. And it, and it didn't happen, but at least the effort was there to put it out. Um, yeah, the Arkells have been amazing for Canadian beats. They have really, uh, their team has bent over backwards to get us interviews and get us into places that we wouldn't otherwise have got to. And they're huge. I mean, the Arkells have become... The, I'm trying to think of a Canadian band that would have been the Arkells 20 years ago, but. I'm <laughs> yeah, it's hard, right? Like yeah. they, they fit there's, their own niche. There, yeah, but there's it's... no band that you can say, oh yeah, this would be what the Ar- Arkells were, you know, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had our, our uh, Guess Who and BTO and, and just all these great, great bands. Um but yeah, nobody quite like Arkells. Especially like with Max, lead singer of the, of the Arkells, he's recognized as a journalist and will wave at them and just have these experiences where they recognize people around them. They do. They do. Uh, it, it's nice to get that recognition. It's not, oh, just another interview, just another face. Um, and, you know, tables can be turned the same way. Um, it's, I try to have that information if I'm not familiar with an artist and have it as prepared as possible because a lot of the artists that I interview are the up and comers. And 
they don't have a lot of stories. So you really have to dig for that information. Um, I have to say in, in all the time I've, I've done interviews, there's only been one that I was really not prepared for. And I tried to make it fly. Uh, it didn't turn out the best, but we did some cutting and pasting and it actually, you know, turned out we were able to salvage what I did. So, you know, we all have off days now and then, especially when we're not sleeping or eating or hydrating properly. And, uh, that's very important when you're doing things like festivals and stuff like that, you've got to do that. Um, but for, for that's a really, like, you should really expand on that a bit because people don't realize that photographers are a major part of the festival. They are. Words are great. And as a writer, I, I love my words, but we're, we're visual people. And what captures our attention is that photo. So selecting a photo, shooting a photo you've it's always got to be okay what sort of shots it's going to look like photographers it's not a glamorous life i'm gonna say that right now it's not a glamorous life and depending on where you're shooting there's a lot of restrictions rules regulations restrictions um if a photographer is lucky enough to actually shoot in a pit that is probably their best scenario if they can't shoot on stage. But a lot of times artists, either bigger names don't want to be shot at all. Um, friend of mine who is, who was on Canadian beat staff as a photographer. I mean, he, he got frustrated boots and hearts this past uh, weekend because it's like, Oh yeah. So we didn't get to shoot this artist at all. And I don't want to name names but we didn't get to shoot this one because they didn't want to be photographed in that. But, other, you know, if, if they don't get the pit, they're shooting back at the soundboard. Now, if you've ever looked back to see how, it's not. So you have to have one of those 70 to 200 or 300 lenses on your camera. You wonder why photographers have these big, massive lenses? <laughs> we want to see those beads of sweat from the soundboard. <laughs> they have to go on the stage behind the set up on the stage which is sort of just awkward because as a viewer you're now watching the band and in the corner of your eye you see someone just sneakily hiding behind the drummer's head yes yes i mean you don't want to distract anyone on stage because they're there to perform and if you're responsible for making them do something that they shouldn't be doing then it's like okay you're taking away from the audience experience mm -hmm making the band look less credible. It's just a whole domino effect. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, festivals are, they can be really good to their media people or in some cases, not so. Um, but the ones that get the best results are the ones where, you know, we have a place to go. We can upload our photos. We can do on the spot editing and stuff like that. Uh, for the most part, they're good. They, they provide what's needed. But every once in a while, especially a lot of the clubs, the lighting isn't as good. You're trying to, um, any lighting people out there, please do away with red lights. They are the worst for photographers to deal with. And you can't edit out a red light in a photo. It's a harsh tone. You end up turning a red photo into a black and white because it just, they just don't look good. 
So, yeah, um, I love white light. I love blue light. The odd green, purple is great. Uh, but, oh, red lights just kill. So, yeah, and, and, you know, it's not just the photographers out there. A photographer goes to a show, and depending on who you talk to, it's it's nothing to take a thousand pictures. Yeah. And they have to filter through, and they have to edit. And it just, it's it's a very long tedious process and especially when it's a festival right oh yeah it's one thing you know like for example up here festival is coming up this weekend and there's uh six artists per night but when you go to a major three or four day festival where there's music all day you're now hitting 25 to 40 artists possibly and and for me i know it's easily anywhere from two to 500 pictures per artist 200 to 500 pictures per artist. Right, because you need to catch the right body movement, yeah. the, the right timing. And if you know they're set and you know they do something special, uh, like Paul Brandt, Manitoulin Country Fest last weekend, he has this one, uh, one song where he ends up doing this foot kick, and I've yet to capture that. <laughs> I know it's coming, I know it's coming, I know it's coming, and I keep missing it. Uh, the Hunter Brothers, uh, they end their show with one of the b- brothers doing a backflip over another one's back as they're playing guitars. Right. I sort of got a shot of that. There's... Or I, Max from the Arkells, there's a point in most of his shows when he... When he opens his jacket, yes, and he and he has like like as <laughs> the like a rainbow wing. just streaming down. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, should look on some of Boris's pictures. I'm sure he's got one with with it open. Yeah, it's because I remember when I was at at, uh, at Northern Lights last year that came up where it was just you could tell you you in the prom, promotional photos and also when you see him live, he had that one body position. Where he opens his arms and he holds a jacket out and it's like he's a bird on stage. Yeah. Yeah. But is that something that you... So that's a conscious thing then. When you're thinking about, what is he about to do some do something that is unique? Is yes. That, yes. You have to capture those moments. I have one... Well, two photos come to mind. Um, it was Sudbury Summerfest back a few years ago. Uh, Mariana's Trench was there. I ended up getting a picture from behind of the bass player. And it was a really cool silhouette. He was dark, but you could identify who he is. And then the lights that were shining around him was really cool. Then there was, um, oh, what is the name of the band? Can't think. Um, the artist, he was, they came back for their encore. And they were, um, he was flinging water out from his water bottle. He went and tossed the water bottle out and water was coming out. I have this really cool picture where you can see the water bottle in midair and you can see the water doing this little spirally effect. That'd be amazing, yeah. (laughs) I'll bring it up for you on my Facebook after this. Because those are the those are the things that people look for. Like that is those are the moments that make a, fe- a photo worthy of a festival sharing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something that not every photographer is going to capture. Right, because even as a fan, I 
I find now that I'm very conscious about the positioning of the artist. And when I'm capturing something with my phone, I want to make sure that the artist is in a position or doing something or performing in a certain way that's worthy of being shared online. Yes. And, and you've got to be careful too, uh, especially when you're in a pit. You don't want what I call microphone face. You, you see the eyes and the nose, but the whole mouth area is covered from the microphone. Or shadows, if it's an outdoor festival. Lighting shadows. Uh, are they getting direct sunlight, sunlight on them? Is it causing some weird distortion? It's, there's so many things to look at mm-hmm. as a photographer. Uh, the average person would not look at they just go, oh, yeah, that's a great picture. And then it's like, no, you can see this, 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 and this. And Photoshop can only do so much. Yeah. You really can't do much with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a good way to wrap it up. Ah, went by way Which too was quick. incredibly fast. <laughs> way too quick. But I think that was good. That went really well. You know, we were able to talk about the entire music journalism, this the whole spectrum of things that are part of it. Right. And it's. And it's nice because it's a lot of, you know, like the average music fan doesn't know really about that. Or if you're sometimes if you're the person playing on stage, then there's certain misconceptions that can get in the way. So it was really nice that it was a good episode. So shout out to Linda. So thank you, Linda, for coming on. Thank you for having me on, Kyle. And where can we find you, some of your work? Um, I think... The bulk of my work, if you go to canadianbeats.ca, you can actually search my name and it will bring up everything that I've done. Um, Plus there's, like I said, there's a lot of good content. Well, plus you have a show. Plus I have a show on CKLU on Tuesdays at 11 from 11 till noon called Aunt Linda's Country Tailgate, where I do interviews and... uh, you know, a few reviews, lots of fun stuff. Introduce you to up-and-coming artists. Yeah, so if you want to hear more from Linda, you can listen to 96.7 FM at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, and we will see you next week.